Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. the wise men say podcast we are bringing you this special edition well not really because we'll bring you it every monday but it is off the back of sunderland winning a game at wembley if you can believe that and if you're listening in like 30 years and we're dominating english football and we win uh, at wembley every season in the fa cup and stuff sunderland up until this point on what was the 14th of march 2021 had not won at wembley in a final since 1973 after Seven attempts, not including that centenary thing, for reasons discussed previously. And um, to talk about it with us tonight, I'm joined um, by Gareth Barker and Mickey Loft, two wise men say regulars. But also joining us is somebody who we are all going to be very envious of because he was at Wembley to witness this. And the rest of us, even though Sunderland have won, let's be honest, still can't say that we've seen Sunderland win at Wembley, because we were all sitting in our sitting rooms because of COVID. Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo. Do you feel good mint in that, Phil? I feel sort of 80% guilty. Um, I wouldn't. <laughs> 20% just obviously buzzing um, and thinking I should probably get a T-shirt made up with I was there and the yeah. date on. Um, so, yeah, a, a mix of the two. It's I think 80% is quite high for your guilt percentage, really. Um, nothing wrong with that. You know, at the end of the day, you're a Sunderland fan, Phil, so I am pleased for you. Do you want to talk us just through the whole experience and how, obviously, how different it was and, and what it was like to to go to such a prestigious ground on a, on a big occasion with no fans there? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really surreal. I mean, I thought the game for me was sort of, in terms of the experience, was kind of into two parts. In terms of the first half, I was kind of sitting there like, this is just such a bizarre occasion didn't feel like a cup final where I was sitting in the press box all I could hear was this like ventilation shaft just above me so I just had this like drone of this ventilation shaft while this fairly let's be honest mediocre flat game of football was going on and there were a couple of times where I just kind of thought this is just you know bizarre and not great really um but after the goal went in, it felt totally different because all of a sudden, once Tranmere started coming into the game and attacking and Sunderland were having to scramble a bit and throw bodies on the line, once Sunderland had something to lose and it felt almost tangible that they might win at Wembley, all of a sudden, even though obviously the atmosphere was still strange, you know, I felt I was really into the game. I was really engaged in it because all of a sudden there was a jeopardy there. And the last sort of 
25 minutes, even though obviously it was bizarre. I did kind of feel like I was reporting on a cup final. Um, whereas the first sort of half, I was just like, this is just weird. It just feels like it was one of those games that you sometimes have behind closed doors where it feels like everyone's just doing it for the sake of it, if that makes sense. Mm. Whereas all that kind of changed when someone scored and all of a sudden you felt like, okay, this is a odd occasion, but there is something, you know, there is actually something at stake here and that gave it a bit of um, credibility, reality. I don't so quite know what What about before though? And then just, you know, approaching Wembley and stuff where you would normally see all the fans down Wembley way and how there's a, this event going on and you, you're walking yeah. still into like, a, you know, the iconic stadium that it is, but just no fans around and it must have been quite surreal. It, it was surreal, but it's strange now because even from last time we went there two years ago, the actual area around it has been built up so much. I was absolutely staggered. You, you can barely see Wembley now. You can see a little bit of the arch, but actually Wembley Way isn't really that much of a thing anymore, um, which I was really surprised at. So I think even when some of the next go there and we can all actually go, I think people will be a bit taken aback by that. But yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those where you would have had no idea there was a cup final going on um, unless you were actually inside. It was, um, yeah, it was just totally, totally bizarre. Mm, we'll, come, we'll come on to more of that in, in a bit because I want to ask the lads what they think about the fact there was no fans. I, I, I often wonder, I was wondering if the game would have went a different way if there was um, you know, Sunderland fans there to sort of spur them on in certain moments. But... Starting from the, the beginning, Mick and Gareth, I'll, I'll come to you, Gareth, first. Uh, your sort of feelings leading up to the game? I know we, we, we did a live thing on, on Saturday where we were sort of saying, you know, we are a bit nervous, but maybe not as normal, as, as nervous as normal. Did that change mm. for you on the day? No. Um, I felt a bit melancholy about the whole thing on the Sunday because I think when you, it just kind of felt like, I shouldn't be doing the things I'm doing this morning on the day of a cup final. <laughs> like just normal not things. normal things. Cause he should be waking up with the, the hangover, which obviously we did. So thanks for coming on the uh, Saturday night, by the way, at the show. Um, we really enjoyed it. And thanks very much. There's loads of people came and you raised quite a lot of money uh, for something together. So thank you very much. Um, but yeah, so walk up with a sore head on the back of that, but, it's a case of you know usually you'd be dragging yourself somewhere for like eleven o'clock in the morning, factoring something to eat with your first drink, and then you know trying to ease yourself back in, and the nerves would be there. You know all you know getting to Wembley and you know walking down Wembley Way and seeing all the the uh, sort of decor and that on the way down. You know where the, the dress the Wembley Way and your team's colours and things like that. Um, and that wasn't there. I mean, I went for a walk at about. They got went for a walk and got back about quarter past two. And I put the cricket on. Then about ten to three, put the match on. Um, it's just odd, um, but it was also just a bit. It's bittersweet, isn't it? Because you know, my house, and obviously Mickey's a bit different. Your situation, Stevens, and my house. It's like I'm the only one who likes football. So it was almost like I'm in the bedroom watching the match. So I couldn't even get the the main telly for the oh, match. You didn't, well, you didn't, no. didn't bag side that. You no, didn't well, stake a claim. Well, I, I was I could have if I wanted to, but I just thought, well, there's no point booting them out of the room to watch this on my own. Um, so went upstairs, watched it, but it's like a vacuum. I'm it's learning like a lot about myself here because I would, uh, I think, feels guilty 
percentage of 80% was too high and I certainly would have claimed the telly if I, I was in that situation well, as well. Well, no, I, I, I could have, but I just thought, well, what's the point? What are they going to do while I'm sitting watching this? Um, so it was like weird. Like the bedroom was like a vacuum of like the matches on and there's a cup final going on. But when you leave that room and go downstairs, it's an environment in which is just an everyday thing. You know, my wife's playing with my son on the floor. What are we having for tea? All that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like mm. it's just a bit. It's it's surreal. It's strange. Fortunately, obviously, you know, as you know, Claire's a season ticket holder as well, so we did make a bit more of a an event of it. We got some food in and stuff like that, and yeah. some drinks, put some balloons up, yeah, well, and try to make the yeah. best of it we could. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's interesting because yeah, I, I, I'm in a position to do that. Luckily, um, make your your sort of experience leading up to it. Yeah, mine was similar to yours, Stephen. I mean, like you say, it's a little bit kind of artificial and it's no substitute for being there. But I really enjoyed yesterday, like as an event. I mean, me and like my family, like me and my dad are season ticket holders and but my mum and my sister, they are Sunderland supporters, but we don't tend to go to many games and they certainly wouldn't be going to Wembley or anything like that. So actually, I think it was quite nice for me to experience a day like that and see us win the cup with all my family around us. And we had like a, like a big Sunderland flag in the window downstairs and we had some kind of like tunes on before the game, like made a playlist with like songs from kind of like Sunderland artists and kind of songs we've sang chance to over the years. And yeah. that sounds a little bit corny. We did the same. It, it, we did the same, mate. We were doing some housework in the morning and we made a playlist and blasted out the Sunderland connected yeah. songs. And and then me and my sister started on the drink like quite early. So I had that kind of atmosphere building. And then as it got to the game, I just was feeling like more and more nervous because I'm never gone into a game with Sunderland at Wembley and we've been the outright favourites. I mean, I know people say Tramie is in good form and they're a decent side, but we were the clear favourites and you'd expect us to win the game. So as that kind of dawned on me more and more, I was getting more and more nervous and more emotionally charged. Um, so yeah, it was completely not the experience that we usually have, but I think the whole day was certainly special in a different way just to get that emotion and kind of experience it with like all my family who I say have been lifelong Sunday supporters. So it was a really enjoyable day personally. It's just, it's, it's just another, you know, uh, another thing to pop, you know, pop on the list of things we've had. You know, it's good that obviously you guys had positive experience. Obviously it was a positive experience for us to win, but it's just a shame because you think like, you know, it would have been probably in the Marquise and, in London, drinking after that game and walk, you know, we've kind of been denied that feeling of walking out of Wembley, you know, rather than with our heads bowed, standing at your meeting point, waiting for the group, whoever that you're with, silent because you've been beaten. You know, it would have been nice to be the ones who don't leave after the yeah. final whistle and nice that. and watch the stadium empty on the other side of the stadium and see that yeah trot out yeah and see that side empty as, as the lads you know lift the tr- lift the trophy um and we've had it's another thing you know we've had taken away from us I think led bit of something after the game um you know like just it's just not the same without the fans. Um, I'm not trying to be like negative about the fact we won a cup. By the way, I hope that's not coming across because obviously it's it's great. But from a personal perspective, it you know it's just a shame. Like my dad was look, my dad was lucky enough to be there in like 1973, uh, to, and then he's been every he didn't go to the playoff final because he just said I can't I can't take that feeling of walking out Wembley like as a loser again. Um, and then obviously we got there this time and we've won and. He's he's missed out. He's missed on that opportunity after all those times of going and seeing us get beat. So it would have been nice to be there with him and walk yeah. out together 
smiling. Um, yeah, and that's, similar, that's, that's yeah. a real shame, isn't it? I rang my dad, who's been in ill health, as you know, and I thought oh, I'd be really happy with this now. Um, and his, his attitude was very much, I'm not happy. We've won twice at Wembley and I've missed both ones. And I've been at every, <laughs> I've been at every single one that we uh, that we lost. And he missed 1973 because he was serving in the army at the time. And yeah, obviously couldn't go to this one. Yeah. So he didn't seem happy at all, which was quite interesting. But there was yeah. a lot of wasted energy, wasn't it, before? Afterwards, in particular, like you say, post-match, it was just suddenly like, right now, what can we do? Like exactly. we're happy and we can have some drinks, but there's only so much we can do. You there's only so much energy you can burn yeah. off in your sitting room. It's what, I mean, that's, the, the fact you, I was fairly drunk probably did help, but when um, the, the lads actually got presented with the trophy, I was just so pleased to see how much it meant to them and like they celebrated like really, really hard and it was just fantastic to see. So I think that kind of like sustained me and made me really happy. And like I say, I still had like a really good night kind of watching bits of a game back, as I say, like music going, like having a bit drink to celebrate. So like I say, it just wasn't, it never will be the same when you can't go, but I think... Like you said, Steve, you've just got to make the best of a bad situation. I think a lot of people all over Sunderland and beyond did that yesterday, looking at Twitter, and it's just nice for us all to be able to have that kind of collective positivity, even if we can't be in the stadiums. And I think days like yesterday just builds that momentum for next season when hopefully we're allowed back in and we can have those moments together again. Mm. And I, it did it, this whole lockdown thing uh, yesterday in particular, but generally just watching every single Sunderland game on the telly, has made me realise, you know, that I've made the right choice and been a match goer. I, I couldn't imagine watching something like that as a, as a big, being a casual fan and not wanting to go to Wembley. I can't get my head around that at all. It has sort of reinforced um, that I'm doing the right you thing know, and going to the matches. It just goes to show, doesn't it, that, you know, I think over the last year we've learned we've taken a lot of things for granted, probably. Um, I think up until... Up until the last week or so I've kind of felt you know I manage like I really want to go back and manage not going because at least the match is on and it's something to do on the weekend it's something to look forward to um, and now we're in the business end of the season and we've got a real chance of getting promoted and we're in a cup final this is the first time where I've been like God I really wish I really really wish I could have could be going to the match um, and had that kind of that feeling around it. Um, and, you know, I'll never take, you know, going to watch, you know, Sunderland play Leicester under 23s and lose 2-1 in like a stadium of light full of like 1,500 people and come out feeling miserable. But, you know, at least it was something to do, something we could go and do. Um, so, you know, when when we're allowed back again, hopefully when we, you know, kick off in August, it's, you know, we're in the championship, and you know, and we were, you know, we're on that. That it did. That was a real positive yesterday. It did the language that the players were using, and I know a few of the, I think Sleeves has kind of suggested before um, when he's done some of the pods with us that are some of these players kind of happy to not get promoted in a way because they're never gonna, they're never probably gonna play for a club bigger than us. So if you just sit in at Sunderland and kind of plot about in, in League One, you know, it's probably never going to get better than the, for you than that. So getting promoted in a way is a noose around the neck. Now, I'm not saying that's the case for every player, but it might be in the back of some of the minds, especially when they're coming to the end of the contract and things like that. So 
the, the language the players were using yesterday was very, it just felt as though that they were all got their eyes on the prize when it comes to, yeah. to getting promoted. The, the team unity is evident, yeah. Phil, isn't it? You can see that a mile off. Even Lee Johnson acknowledging the players who weren't involved, God, it was weird to acknowledge them, all of them being together and clearly, you know, making a day of it themselves, all the engines suspended and cup tied lot. Um, it's clear that, isn't it? You know, whatever's cheer, how, you know, how much of that has changed and has been down to the manager, I guess, you know, winning helps, but it's clear, isn't it? Yeah, winning helps, but it is clear. And I thought that was class, the stuff you mentioned there before the game, because as I mentioned, you know, before the first half was really naff, really. I can't think of another word for it, but and the build-up was the same, you know, there was no sense of anticipation and all that. And, you know, we could hear um, Dion Sanderson singing songs and making a racket and all that. And I thought that was genuinely, I thought that was great. You know, this is a lad who really, by rights, you know, shouldn't really have any connection to the club. He's on loan and what have you. And But he obviously does have that. And I did think that was a good sign. And, you know, I think obviously we're used to footballers kind of interview cliches, right? We all know the kind of things they say, but you can tell at the moment when they speak about the mood and particularly about Lee Johnson, that it's gone beyond that. Um, I think everyone will have seen, you know, Grant Medbitter's post-match interview yesterday. And, you know, Grant, um, you know, I, I think it's fair to say he doesn't love doing interviews and, He's not always particularly forthcoming, but the way he made a point of singling out the impact Lee Johnson's had was relevant. I spoke to Max before the game, um, you know, the interview I did with him, and he said the same thing about how Johnson had reinvigorated him, you know, the work that he'd done with him, how much he learned and how much he loved this um, culture that even at, you know, 27, 28, or even at 30, 31, 32, you know, everyone's expected to try and learn and to take on new things and, yeah, I think that has been telling for me listening to the players talk. It's gone well beyond the kind of standard things you expect them to say. And, you know, the the manager or head coach, however you want to describe it, I think he does have to take a lot of credit for that. Like you say, winning helps. Of course, it does. It makes a massive difference and it's easy to dish out pats on the backs and what have you when you're winning. But, you know, there has definitely been an impact there. I think everyone can see that. First half, very leggy looking performance. Wembley doesn't help at times. It doesn't half suck the energy out of some games Wembley. I've seen that. A pitch is terrible. But I've seen like, it for years anyway. Like, do you see what it's like sometimes when England play there and you're yeah. looking at world-class, sometimes 20 world-class players on the pitch and it always just seems like a laboured, struggling game of football or something about that pitch that just saps energy out of people. And the first Why, half was, not water was it? terrible, wasn't it? Because it doesn't, like, doesn't like the pitch is watered. It, like, the, the ball, like, grabs on it. It's like a soporific pitch, isn't it? It's like a sponge. And you just think like the ball, just like even like 10, 15 yard passes, the ball seemed to take an age to get in there. Um, so it always just, seems to have been like that though, yeah. the old Wembley as well. I know you do get the old exceptions, the odd exception, like a second half game against Charlton in 98. But yeah. generally, you know, they are. In, and that's why, you know, when we scored our goal, I think most people, some fans probably thought that's it. And you don't like to be complacent. But you see this in cup finals a lot where they're quite dull games. Mm. And one game, when you're watching it as a neutral, you think, well, that's that done. And that's more often the case from from memory anyway. And yeah. did, did anyone really feel like, you know, that we were in trouble once that goal went in? Because it just seemed to me like, you know, who, whoever gets the first goal of this is, is probably going to win this game, is what I thought watching it the whole way through. Yeah, I totally agree. But this is where I think, um, I can't believe I'm really saying this, but Lee Burge deserves an enormous amount of credit great. for yesterday. He was great. 
because he didn't actually have to make like a really outstanding save. But what he did do, he dealt with everything brilliantly. And he did the basics really well. And that just relieved so much pressure. So even when Tramier did have a bit of a spell and they grew into the game, and you naturally have that bit of anxiety when you go in the last 10 minutes, he just kind of came out and took everything, took the pressure off the defence. I think his distribution was good. And I think, to be fair, he was kind of a catalyst for us seeing it out so comfortably. Um, I think Jack Diamond coming on made a big difference because he was able to carry the ball 20, 30 yards really quickly and get us up the pitch. And it's one of them I watched like kind of from the goal of the end of the game back this morning. And watching it back with that kind of detachment when you already know the results, you kind of think, oh, well, we were never under any real danger. There wasn't a spell where Tramia had a glut of chances or even set pieces necessarily. So although I thought Tramia competed well, I do agree with what Rory said on the reaction pod last night that maybe there was a bit of kind of narrative setting by Sky and like Tramia playing well and stuff like that because overall it wasn't our best performance in the world, but I certainly think we were value for the win and it was just a really professional job, which makes a refreshing change because we've talked a lot about kind of getting this monkey off our back of being like quote-unquote typical Sunderland. And I think that's um, like eight wins in nine now if you include the victory over Lincoln. So, like I say, we're just getting the job done. We're in that run. We've seen some brilliant performances where we've blown teams away. We've seen some average performances where we've got the job done with a bit of quality. And that's what you want to see because ultimately we've got the best players, the best squad of players, I think, in the league. And we need to show that on a regular basis. And we are doing that. So that's just testament to the squad and Lee Johnson in particular. Yeah. Did you ever feel... Too much under threat, Phil. As watching the game on, I know you said it was a yeah. terrible game. Did you? <laughs> I really, really did. Yeah. Listen, I, I mean, I'm probably one of those people anyway who always assumes the worst is coming. <laughs> I am definitely one of those who, as soon as the opposition gets the ball, I'm like, right, that's it, it's done. Um, I did. I, I honestly, I thought Tranmere were good, and I didn't feel comfortable. I thought up until the final third, I thought they looked a decent team. I really did. I thought Spearing had a good game in midfield. I thought they brought the play up well. Um, and I thought Morris and, and Feeney were both quite good at sort of carrying up to the final third. And then um, what I would say is, no, they didn't really carve out any good opportunities. Part of that was down to Burge, who I think absolutely right to single him out. Part yeah. of that was down to War 9, who sort of managed those balls in the box like he's been playing that position for a long time. I thought he was terrific. So, yeah, I felt in total agony, to be honest. And I felt like Tramie were kind of battling them, which probably isn't true. Um, that's probably you know, more my emotional state than the actual kind of flow of the game. But I did think they were decent. I didn't think there was a huge amount between them and a lot of the League One sides I've watched this year, that's for sure. But I think it's fair to say that, you know, I thought someone did defend their box really yeah. well. Um, I think Diamond, Diamond was terrific. You know, if you're kind of putting the shoe on the other foot and thinking about Tranmere, what a nightmare that must be. Someone who can just carry the ball by that foul, take this thing out of the game. I thought he was made a really important contribution from the bench. Yeah, I... I... I I know where you're coming from. I think I, I agree with kind of what some of the stuff Gareth said on the on on the reaction pod that you, you did feel like and everybody's praising Tramay's performance and and rightly so, you know, they were the underdogs playing against a side division above. But I kind of felt like you're watching a thing and they are giving everything here. They are given one hundred percent and they don't have another gear to go into. And barring a really, really catastrophic mistake, individual error by Sunderland. I, I, they just don't have a quality in the in the final third. And yes, of course, you always still. I got nervous in in the last few minutes when they were getting free kicks to put the ball in the box and stuff like that. But and maybe and maybe the fans not being there <laughs> helps with this because you know had I been in the stadium, I probably would have been. I reckon you were in the in the stadium, yeah, Phil. Yeah. So I mean, especially yeah. as well, just to kind of underline it, especially the last ten minutes, someone managed it really well. 
Um, mm. And that's actually something they've done well under Johnson consistently. There was the one game, Gillingham, wasn't it, where they gave away a really soft, daft goal late on. But generally speaking, that is something they've done well. And yeah, no, I think last 10, 15 minutes, I think Tranmere did run out of ideas. I think that's absolutely right. It was that sort of 10, 15 minute period after the goal, I think, where they had yeah. that kind of second goal. No, they did. They did. Um, they did Someone did, did manage it really well at the end. That's, that's mm. definitely the case. It would have been interesting if, if the fans were there. We, we never know. We could only speculate about this, but um, I just would have been fascinated to see if the performance would have been better with fans. Because I think Sunderland would have significantly outnumbered Tranmere, who are you know, a well-established and historical club, but they don't have a huge fan base to then whether like Liverpool and Everton fans would have got involved and went, I don't think that's really a thing anymore like it used to be, um, where they go and support, where they go and help out with the support and stuff like that. And I, I just wonder if that would have would have made a difference. Um, I think we live in all that. I think it would have been, a, if it had been a League Cup or something like that, it's different. But when it's, obviously there's Premier League games on the same day and, you know, things like that. So, I don't know. A lot of things, like you say, they wouldn't have maybe wouldn't have been the same um, in terms of those Everton, Liverpool fans, I don't think it happens anymore. Yeah. I don't think it's a thing anymore. I think that stopped in the, in the 90s when football started getting nasty and <laughs> you didn't have all this support of yeah. things um, yeah, but I think I think, you know, we've I think we've so really suffered with not having the supporters at the game um, and our home form before um, you know, the well, up to the Plymouth game was not very good at all. Um, we seem to have ironed that out, um, which is great, especially with, you know, we're going to need every every point we can possibly get now. Um, and now that opportunity is there. I mean, I know we're going to talk about Wednesday, but the, if results go our way, you know, Peter will play Portsmouth and... Lincoln played Gillingham, which won't be an easy game. You know, if they drop any points at all, we could go second with a win. Um, that's that's a possibility on Wednesday. So hope that does happen. But I think I'll be more. I might be more nervous about the Accrington game if if that's the case. And I was on the at any point on on Sunday. Yeah, well, we'll 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 come to the Accrington. Accrington game. Um, Lugo 9, third man of the match in a row. Um, after we sit here week after week and um, and say that he shouldn't be playing centre-half, he keeps getting man of the matches. Um, but what I will say is, just to back myself in particular, because I think I've, I've um, banged that drum louder than anybody else, is that John McLaughlin, um, John McLaughlin Conor McLaughlin came on as sub um, and slotted in the centre-half and looked absolutely fine, like we've all been saying for weeks that he would. And if it was me personally and Sanderson comes in a centre-half, I would still have Luke on. I have a full-back or in midfield where he offers more. That's that's my opinion on it. Um, it was nice on all nine. Nice interview after the game, I thought. And nice moment where if you saw the goal replay from behind the goal yeah. where he, he drops to his knees as Gooch is about to pull the trigger and almost does a prayer, doesn't he? As if to say, like, please let this be it. Yeah. And, and it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying before about us just having the confidence where if we score first, we're in a really strong position. Now, I, almost, I, I also thought Johnson and McAllister's embrace when, when we scored the goal had a look of very much like we've done it. Um, I just got that sense and yeah. that vibe. But nice more nine, Michael, wasn't it? That, did you say that? Yeah, I did, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, I think um, 090 kind of encapsulates um, what's been so good about Sunderland lately. I mean, after that Shrewsbury defeat, when obviously we were all kind of on the bottom in terms of how we were feeling about Sunderland, if you'd said, obviously, Jordan Willis is out for the season, Bailey Wright won't have played a game. And at times, our only fit centre-half's going to be Dion Sanderson, who I think we all rated as a player, but I don't think we necessarily realised his leadership qualities. And then if you talked about in a cup final, having to bring on Conor McLaughlin to play a centre-half as part of a back two, like two centre-halves rather than like having three centre-halves on the pitch, you'd have been a bit worried. But I think at the minute, we don't tend to use it as an excuse. Johnson kind of talks very positively about any player he puts in there. And every lad we've slotted in has really done themselves justice and they've never let anyone down. And I think that's just absolutely excellent that we've had this run of form when the squad's been seriously depleted and we've had to make so many changes. And I think that just speaks, like Phil was saying earlier, about the togetherness that the squad has at the moment and everyone's fighting for each other. And I think that stands us in really good stead for the running. Yeah. Your opinion on, on Luke O'Neill and Phil in the back four and his, his place in that back four? Yeah, I, I honestly... I, I mean, I think we probably need to do like a special pod. Um <laughs> Like, because you could just go on and on, couldn't you? But I've, to be honest, I've changed my opinion on it with the level he's performing at at the moment. And I think that what he offers that I just don't see in very many centre-halves at the level is that composure in possession. I mean, how many times does he get the ball in a bit of a tight corner and like the league one default is just to try and smash it up the pitch and it either goes out of play or you lose possession. That ability he has to just kind of almost see the pitch around him, take another second, take another touch and play that little pass. I think it has brought something something else to Sunderland's play. He's very good in the air. Doesn't very rarely gets beaten one-on-one. Kind of loves throwing himself in front of the ball. I don't know, it's a difficult one because I was kind of, when Johnson came in and, you know, the talk about the high press and stuff, I was very much get all nine in midfield. And then the one time he did it against Doncaster, obviously the team's performance was excellent. So I'm still kind of, I still kind of feel that way, but I just think the level that he's playing at, at the moment at centre-half and also that very specific thing that I don't think any other defenders in Sunderland squad bring, um, I think kind of leans me towards keeping him there, and especially because he, he has that real chemistry with Sanderson as well. Mm. Um, I, I, while I agree with you <laughs> in that, you know, he's so good at the moment. It's a nice problem to have, isn't it? Where you think like yeah. you can play him absolutely anywhere and he's going to give you a top-notch performance. I think we've got, when fit, other centre-halves who are more than capable of keeping a clean sheet in this division and you just lose something else from 9 from an attacking point of view when he's not playing centre-half. Well, I mean, that's kind of the point because I kind, of, I kind of agree with you as well. Do you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it is strange. Um, but yeah, I, I have to say that I've kind of come round to, for the time being, for me, it's, you know, I would I would pick Sanderson in 9 um, and I would bring Winchester, I know don't want to look too far ahead and we'll come to it later, but, you know, and I would go with Winchester and Scowan again. Um, I just think from what I've seen in the last couple of games that those four played, if you like, as two partnerships. I just think they've been excellent. I think they've looked a bit of a cut above. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't be tinkering with it personally at this point. Can we mention the final then before we move on? But can we mention Sunderland winning the final in the game where there was really only one moment of, of brilliance? And just to, I know we've done it on the reaction pod, but just to acknowledge Aidan McGeady in particular and Gucci's finish. Um, nice little bit of redemption for McGeady as well after, you know, he he... He had that whole journey with us in the checker trade and scored two goals at Wembley and that equalising goal against Portsmouth is something I will never, ever, ever forget as long as I live. But ultimately, we lost the game on penalties and a nice bit of redemption for him, Mickey, that uh, he was involved so heavily and it was the one only bit of quality apart from probably Lee Burge's goalkeeping in the whole game. 
Yeah, it was. Um, as I say, just like the way he's took about five or six Tramia players out of the game with that one pass is just absolutely exceptional. And it's the fact that like nothing was happening and all of a sudden you've gone from having the ball in your own half to you're in on goal and you've scored within about five seconds. And that's the quality that he brings. And like you touched on there, yeah, it was brilliant for two goals he scored in the Czech Trade Trophy final. And of course, we'll always have the really fond memories of that weekend. But one thing I'll get a little bit tired of is Sunderland sharing stuff on social media, which which we have to do kind of. But it is like, oh, look at these like scenes in this moment. But it's like, yeah, but we lost in like kind of the second rear trophy. And now at least we've got that moment to look back on and say, yeah, but we won. And it's brilliant. So even though there's no fans there, it's just nice to, in the future, be able to look back on that moment of McGeady's contribution and Gucci's finish and say, yeah, that was a brilliant moment. And we went on to win the game and we won a trophy for the first time in 48 years. So I just think in terms of getting like another monkey off our back, it was just a, a brilliant day all round. And like you say, it's just great to see the likes of Ledbetter, McGeady and Gucci have been through a lot of his football club, but particularly Ledbetter as a fan to just say, right, OK, this is kind of like a new era and this is a new Sunderland that does win these games. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And it was it was um, nice for Gooch, as you see, I'd let a bit of as, as local lads, Gooch. And I'll never, ever get here in Gooch's accent either. He's sort of hybrid American um, accent. I wish. That he, <laughs> that he, yeah, there's a bit of everything in there, isn't it? It's, um, it is good. And he's been quiet until then as well, Gooch. Um, Chris McGuire, I know you mentioned on the reaction podcast, you thought like at least he asked for the ball and stuff. I'll still, you know, I said before the game, I'm still surprised he wasn't using his impact sub. And, I guess it was just down to options that though, wasn't it? We don't we didn't have a lot. A lot of players well, who couldn't play the game. The thing is he, we did discuss it the on the live show. My opinion is that we should be one nil up at least, or in in the lead with what twenty minutes to go um in that game. Um and in that situation, I would want Diamond coming on. And that's what we saw when Diamond came on. He caused them a lot of problems because they're having they haven't to push on, and he was picking up areas and and running the ball, and that's what he gives you in in that situation. Whereas I think if you bring Maguire on into that game, he's not going to give you that. Um, and that that was that would be my reasoning for. It's all about impact subs. Diamond, like Phil said, Diamond had an, an excellent impact, um, and he did. It kind of went exactly how I'd hope it would, that Maguire would do a bit, come off, Diamond comes on down the line and, and gives you that option of somebody who can carry the ball quickly and commit defenders and make them make tackles, um, which he did. So I think the selection of Maguire was justified in that respect. Could have done a bit better, I think, in the first half, Maguire, but... Um, as a lot of players probably could have, and Sue Maguire, he always wants to get on the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of stat out there that said that of all the forward players, he probably touched the ball the most in that first half. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case because he was after the ball all the time and he had two attempts on goal. Um, well, he had a few, he had that free kick that was crap as well, didn't he? But you know, the two in open play, so. Yeah, well, you know, we, we won the game, so it's all justified anyway. How many times have we walked away from big games like that saying, what if, if only we did this, if only he tried mm. that, why didn't he do this? And he's picked a team, we've won the game. Yeah. And it was just, it was nice. And we are jealous of you, Phil, I think, um, for being there and seeing it. 
anything anything else on the game anybody would like to add it's quite weird this because if anybody does listen to this in years time be like oh i'll listen to the uh the podcast they did after wembley and then the second half will be previewing a division three game against Akron and stanley and we hope that's going to be a thing of the past anything else anybody wants to add that i might have missed or do we move on good good to go then we'll have a break now and we'll come back and we'll talk about Akron. hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We are recording this podcast via Zoom, as is the norm in 2021 in a pandemic and post-pandemic world. Um, and it means I can look at all you lovely people. Gareth, I noticed that you were wearing some very eye-catching attire. Would you like I to am. talk us through it? Yeah, I'm wearing a From the Terraces long sleeve polo shirt, um, which was purchased using the WMS 10. Uh, oh, what, what, what happens if you what happens if you do that? Um, you get 10% off. Um, so it cost me 10% less than it should using the WMS 10 code. So if you go to fromtheterraces.co.uk, you can look like me uh, if you want no, to. No, don't say that. We want, yeah. we want people to buy the stuff. Yeah, you can, <laughs> yeah. You can you can wear the same clothes as me, and that's also terrible as well. Um, yeah, but if you yeah go from the uk, use the code WMS10 uh, to get ten percent off. I always feel like Mickey's here, and he can he can run through his uh, back catalog because yeah, he's regalia. got a variety. He's got a variety of stuff. It's your cue to come in, Mickey, and you're on mute. That's it. See again, if you're listening back, listening back, you're on mute has yeah. definitely been the the phrase of twenty and twenty one, hasn't it? I felt a little bit of uh, Lyndon Gooch's pressure there because I tried twice to unmute myself and I clicked on the wrong <laughs> bit of the screen. But yeah, as you pointed out, I've got a um, variety of things because it generally is really good gear. So I've got myself a sweatshirt, I've got a long sleeve polo, short sleeve polo, and um, I've got a lantern jacket. And I've also got a windbreaker jacket, which I don't know if is the correct term, but I think it is. And they're all really, really good. So just get yourself some items, boss, for when we're back next season for our championship playoff push. And the spring's coming, so cargo shorts weather soon. Mm. Uh, you know, just something to bear in mind. WMS 10 will get you 10% discount off your what, Gareth? That's good. Off your basket, there you go. <laughs> okay, right. Accrete and Stanley, then. Um, not in the best form, Phil, Accrete and Stanley, after, after some good results a couple of months back. No, but before I answer that, are we just pretending it's normal that you're sat wielding a toy sword? I'm in a I'm in the conservatory toy room and I'm a fidget as it is, <laughs> as people know. So I need something to keep to keep my. Uh, Last time I was in, you were bagging a dead mouse. Um, <laughs> That's because the cats you... the cats use this as their entrance to the house and they're bringing sometimes some dead animals. All right, fair enough. All right, we'll move I on. I didn't kill the mouse with the toy sword. I would like to clarify. And Stephen just... Goldsmith in the conservatory <laughs> with the toy sword. Killing mice is not is not what I was doing with that. Just uh, letting you know. Um, sorry, yes. Yeah, Accrington. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, all right, it's all right. No, I think the thing about Accrington is I think they've always, whenever I've watched them in League One, whenever they've played something, I've always thought they're kind of a decent team. They are one of the teams who tries to play. They'll play with two strikers. They won't just kind of sit in 
and they'll cause problems. But they've always been one of those teams who have left space for Sunderland. And if you think about the times, you know, Sunderland have played them. There's Sunderland have always scored goals against them. I think they've scored three, three times at this ground. I think because it was a League Cup game as well. Yeah. Um, so I think it's the kind of game that um, you do generally feel quite confident about Sunderland going into because, as I say. Yeah, they're a good team. They'll have their moments. They'll break with pace. They'll commit bodies forward. But you know there'll be chances. Um, and it's interesting as well because obviously after the Portsmouth final two years ago, it was Accrington away again uh, a couple of nights later. Yeah. Um, and I think Ross made five changes that night. Brought McGeoch in. Um, he went to two up front, which he hadn't been playing, and got a bit of response because it was that kind of freshness. And I thought it was quite clever at the time to bring in some players who, you know, were sort of chomping at the bit who weren't kind of still stewing on that disappointment from the days before so it'll be interesting to see what he does um, but yeah it's always a game where you think Sunderland are going to get chances All defeats in seven after after, after some good form so they, they went at Doncaster around about a month ago and won 1-0 and they were looking people were saying at the time you know these are, are dark horses for promotion and the sort of wheels have come off since then a little bit after that really like good uh, re- result on their part so they, they drew at home Shrewsbury 1-1 they then lost a crew as we know that can be a difficult place to go um, they then drew away to Fleetwood they then uh, lost at home at Ipswich they then did get their only win since then beating Swindon at home they were then stuffed 4-1 at Bristol Rovers and then they lost at the weekend at MK Dunn so not in great form Gareth and um as with Portsmouth last week, we need to capitalise on that. Yeah, it's a massive week. You know, this could be the week that sees us get into that top two. You know, we've got Lincoln on Saturday. Um, you know, we've got to play Oregon twice and we've got to play Blackpool twice in our last 13. So really, we need to be targeting... Well, with the other games we've got, we've got some tough ones in there too. Other tough ones, so... I would say the two Atrington games and the two Blackpool games, you want to be getting maximum points if you want to get promoted. So, yeah, it's you do, you do you know, feel like you do feel like people need to be patient if a loss is around the corner because we're on oh, this run, yeah. we're on this run, and it's not how sustainable is that really? We are going to lose yeah. at some point. Yeah, definitely we will, um, and it's just a case of not getting too, not getting too high, not getting too low. But I think because it's it's. Just the opportunity feels like it's there now. It really does. And I think it'll, it'll be really disappointing if we don't capitalise on it because we've been here so many times in the last three years where we thought, Eve, after that written game last time, we were, what, a point off automatic with two games in hand? Well, and then Rochdale, it was Rochdale on the Saturday yeah. where Barnsley lost in the lunchtime kickoff and obviously yeah. something scored in the last minute and that was like, here we go. Um, yeah. And it's not. Not quite how it went, but yeah, it was. It did. It did feel like the big week, and then it wasn't. But yeah. yeah, and we had lost. We hadn't lost hardly all season, and then we lost three in a week or something, didn't we? Um, two in a week. I think what's a good. I think what's a good nod to our form is you know, we were having this conversation a few weeks ago. And we were saying, oh, around that cup final, we've got some really hard games. We've got Portsmouth, we've got Lincoln, we've got Accrington. Where you look at that fixture now, you know we we swatted Portsmouth to one side and we won the cup and. We're in such good form. You actually look at our fixture list now and thinking, well, Lincoln aren't in good form anyway. We're yeah. playing at home to them. Oxford at home doesn't look intimidating at all at the moment. There's actually really only the Peterborough game initially mm-hmm. where you're looking and thinking, oh, you know, that's a worry. Where a few weeks ago, we were looking at all of these and thinking, oh, that's a, that's a tough run. Where now, 
you know, because we're playing yeah. so well, it doesn't doesn't feel as tough anymore. There was it? a lot of teams on good runs, wasn't there, at the same similar time? Like Oxford, I think they've won five in a row. Hull have who dropped off have won five on the bounce themselves. Um Lincoln were in good form. Peter Bread won six on the bounce or something, and now they haven't won in three. So yeah, it's kind of all come back around. We've had our run caught up. We need to make sure we keep that run going. We can re I feel as though like we can hit reset a little bit after that cup final. You know what I mean? And just be like, right, we've we've got that portion of the season out of the way now. We've got ourselves back into it. So now it this is where it starts now. This is the we've got almost like a mini season where we can say we can isolate these 13 games and say, right, what we need if we get two points a game from this, we're gonna get eighty seven points. And looking at the way the league's gone recently. That could get you promoted. So, you know, it, two points per game for me doesn't, with the way we've been playing, doesn't feel impossible. No, doesn't um, need some players back though, Mickey Donner, because as well as well as his, the back four that keeps getting patched up in different ways, in particular, are playing well. Um, good to see Grant Ledbetter back. He, he was. Look very leggy. I'm not going to slag Grant off because of what he means to us and stuff like that. But he didn't have a good game. Um, it's good though that he's, he's back in the team, and we need some of the more of these players to come back and get fit. I don't even think it's so much having these lads in the starting eleven. I think it's just about having the squad depth on the bench because that was yeah. my one worry yesterday. I looked at the bench and I thought, oh, if we go a goal down, or we're struggling a little bit, what is the really there to change things in a positive way? And I think that one of the great things about Johnson since he's came in is he's absolutely nailed his substitutions, whether we've been winning, whether we've been behind, whether we've been drawn. He clearly like thinks about it and he's very methodical in everything he does. So I think just having them players back just to give us like options off the bench is going to be absolutely crucial where you can turn around and say, right, we can bring on um, Jordan Jones, we can bring on Chris McGuire, we can bring on Lyndon Gooch and all these things. And the same goes for the back. So if we have a knock to a centre-half like yesterday because Conor McLaughlin was back, you can bring him back in. Hopefully, I don't know if Phil knows anything more about um, the severity of Flanagan's injury. You can be bringing the likes of him on, Bailey Wright coming back in. So like I say, it's just going to be really good to just have these options all over the pitch and to have these nice headaches that were talked about earlier on in terms of 0-9 and stuff like that. Any update, Phil, on Flanagan's injury? No, it, it looked like it was the same calf that he's had some trouble with of late. So I, I get the impression um, that it's going to be one of those where I don't think there'll be too many back for Wednesday. Um, I think it'll probably be a fairly similar squad for that game. And then maybe towards Saturday, you might sort of see one or two coming back. But um, obviously, Sanderson and Winchester um, will be back. And I would suspect we'll go straight into the team. Yeah. Um, I think beyond that, I'd be surprised if there was much else for Wednesday. Maybe Saturday, you might start to see. You know, a, a couple of more bodies in in the frame. So we think I mean, quite, in terms of options, man. sorry, Stephen. No, go on. No, just saying. In terms of options, I think it was nice to see Ross Stewart on the bench yesterday, because obviously it would have been a real <laughs> baptism of fire if he'd had to come into the like in the team yesterday. But what I do think it's going to be good for is let's say we have a game like Rochdale where you turn a up early on in the game. It's kind of petering out. You're not under a lot of pressure. It's going to be great to be able to say on 60 minutes to Charlie White, right, you've scored your goal, you've played well, but have yourself a bit of a rest and bring Stuart into the squad gradually because that's been one my one fear with Charlie White. Yes, he's buzzing. He wants to play all the time and he's in great form, but the will come to a point where he'll hit a wall having to play 90 minutes every week. So I'm just really glad now we've got that option because I don't know a lot about Stuart, but he seems to be very similar in terms of stature to Charlie White. And from what I've seen of his like goals rail from Ross County, he's a good header of the ball as well. So it's good to have that like-for-like option in the squad going forward. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think I think a lot of people forgot about him to be honest until he saw his name pop up on the bench. Um, such as being his luck with injuries since he signed. Um, your feelings on you, you know you, you've just said you think um, Winchester and uh, Sanders will come into the team. Phil, are we thinking Maguire one of the ones to go out? Who else? Uh, no, well, possibly. I mean, it depends. You might put. I'm thinking he might change. Put Gooch further up and and bring Winchester in there. Yeah, but who do you play on the right then? Um, don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just think it'll be similar, largely similar. I think the, you know, I, I could see Sanderson and Winchester coming back in almost like for like. The other option he now has is he could, um, he could play McLaughlin at right back and bring power back into midfield. That is one option he's got mm. as well. Um, but I would imagine that by and large it would be be pretty similar. Yeah, I'm just thinking like Will Maguire. I think that you might put Gooch up and have Gooch Maguire flanking. Um and sort of putting yeah, I don't know. Just 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 a thought really. I I guess he's he's got a decision to make. Not a bad thing as we said, and it's a winning team. So um it's interesting that you don't think you you normally upset a winning team, wouldn't you? But because of the, on the high of the back of Wembley, I don't know. <laughs> a couple of them might not be that bothered if they if they are allowed a week a midweek game off. Um anybody not confident we can we can do the job? Any any Massive concerns about the game. Shaking your heads is no good for audio lads. Just, no, just, just really. throwing that out there. <laughs> you know, I just, you just really hope that you know, we're getting, we, we get to Saturday night and we really believe that we can go up. Yeah, I think people do believe it, but if we can, you know, if we win the next two games, it's not impossible. And I reckon if we win the next two, I'd fancy us to be in that top two. Oh, oh, definitely. Um, I just like to say, like as well, if we if we don't, the you know this exactly. Run, if we this, don't, yeah. yeah, this run will come to an end soon. Yeah. So let's be patient. If we, if we don't, in the benefit of the doubt of how well they've played over the last month. If absolutely. if we go wrong either today or the weekend, it'll be disappointing. But that, there's plenty of games that. left. Yeah. They've got themselves into a position now where they do drop some points. Then they're not miles off because they've won so many games. So they've given themselves that chance. And we like we've got time to claw back. We've got other games to claw back. And as we've seen, and, and the t- other teams are going to have to go on a similar run to, to, to the run that we've gone on now. Yeah, I think yeah. this is ironic given what we both said at the time, Stephen. But I think I would quite like to see on Wednesday a performance similar to, you know, when we went to Rappington that weekend where we basically won 3 1, but the second half we kind of really flirted within ourselves and we were yeah. a bit annoyed at full time. Yeah. You know what it is? I would absolutely love that on <laughs> Wednesday just, just because it means that we haven't really exerted ourselves, but we've won comfortably. Yeah. And I think that's going to be crucial in the running to kind of, as I say, just get these comfortable wins on the board and to be able to kind of preserve our fitness. And like I say, having the five subs really helps that now. But it would just be good to just have a nice little comfortable win like we did against Rochdale again. Yeah, agree with that. So um thanks everybody for coming along tonight. Phil, I know you've just got back from Wembley, so appreciate you giving your um time up for us. And um uh, so then they've won a Wembley, which was nice. Let's hope we can follow it up with a, a win at Accrington Stanley on Wednesday. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.